Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening. My name is Joelle, and this is the Psychic Inside Show. We're here every Tuesday on the Blog Talk Radio Network under the moniker The Vibrary Radio. I'm here to bring programming that I believe will be enlightening and elevating and uplifting, and I'm glad that you could tune in this evening. Now, the line to call in to listen or to ask questions is 646-787-8436, and you can call if you have something you want to say. Just go ahead and press the one button, pound one, and that will let me know to bring you on the air. And also, we've got a chat room that's going on. You can join me on Facebook and also on Instagram where I have put together a community of people who I like to call the Good Vibe Tribe. That's those of us who are here to uplift and to make everyone's day a little brighter. If you're in any of those social communities, definitely please give me a shout-out when you see something that you want to pass on. It's all about amplification and spreading I think positivity is what I'm certainly here to do, and I invite you to do that by hitting the hashtag, either get lifted or hashtag good vibe tribe, and certainly come find us on Facebook. Now, these shows on the Vibrary Radio Network are also available through the podcast directories on iTunes, and also on the Vibrary Radio on YouTube. All of our shows are there for you to tune into at a later date when you might want to come back and check out something you were only able to hear a little bit about. So anyway, on Tuesday evenings, the Psychic Inside Show is an opportunity for me to talk about people, to talk to people who have really had some very interesting journeys. I believe that everyone is psychic and that you're born with certain gifts and abilities you just don't, excuse me, don't always recognize it. So by hearing what it looks like for other people to kind of come into a thing that inspires you and encourages you as you step further into embracing who and all that you could be. Now, every Tuesday on the Psychic Inside Show, I have been sitting down and talking with people who I have met either in person or who I have heard of from other people or seen about online, people who have sparked my curiosity. So a couple of months ago, I was at one of my favorite places, as you know, I like to talk about the Big Blue Barn and Gloria Parker's Big Psychic Fair up in Roswell, Georgia. It's a great event. I can't tell you how many wonderful people that I have met through the years over there. So one of the names that caught my eye in January I didn't get an actual opportunity to sit down for a reading, but I had bookmarked the name because it struck me as unusual. And in just a moment, I'll tell you what her name is. But just a few days after that encounter, when I'd seen that name, I got an inquiry on Instagram that said, hey, I'd like to connect with you. And so through our initial chats and conversations, I finally came to understand that the very person whose name had caught my attention at that fair, was now having a conversation with me. So I felt that it was very aligned. And the name that I heard and saw that caught my eye was that of Shiva. So my guest this evening is Shiva Jahan. Am I pronouncing that correct, Shiva? Welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. 
Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful to be here. Now, uh, your last name, am I saying Jahan correctly? Yes. And I want to okay. point out that this is my psychic name. Yes, okay. <laughs> so we're uh, many people in the profession who do readings um, and are operating partially only as a psychic in a part-time capacity or under ways will have their psychic name, and that's kind of what the medical physical community begins to know people by. Now, Shiva was the first name. It actually caught my eye because I honestly do not know a lot about Shiva, but I know that there is a path or religious practice where he is an important figure. And I had seen a couple pictures and things depicted in the weeks leading up to when I saw your name. So I feel like there's something I'm supposed to know about Shiva. And since you selected this purposely to be your name, can you share as to why and enlighten me some about Shiva. Yes, absolutely. So I was raised with the Hindu faith, and Lord Shiva is part of the Hindu triad, um, which is Vishnu, okay. Shiva, and Brahma. And Shiva okay, so I was saying it wrong. I was saying no, it wrong, saying correct? It's so it's Shiva it's or Shiva. Shiva? Oh, Shiva. It, okay, Shiva. okay, thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so Shiva in Hinduism is known as a destroyer um, of many things, and but he's also destroyer of ego. And with regards to spirituality, ego is basically fear. Um, all negative emotions, uh, when you go to the root of the root of it, is rooted in fear. So he is the destroyer of that, and Shiva also represents consciousness. So he is the one that raises our consciousness, so therefore we raise our vibration. Um, in my life, I can tell you, he is also associated with justice, and he plays um, a very big role in my life, and I am deeply connected to him. And he also so represents you... the divine masculine. Okay. Of, <laughs> of well, the there's twin many paths um, in that. Yes. Yes. Uh, Shiva is very complicated to understand um, and quite elusive when you read about him. And so in using, uh, aligning with that energy and that exploration of Shiva, why did you land on that if you are comfortable disclosing that might be a very personal spiritual question, but um what a uh was it just the well I know that the justice was important to you, but as you were was it given to you by your guides through like your higher self aspect or it just really it embodied such an element that was perfect for all the things that you were embodying at the moment that you decided to come under that umbrella, um, if you will everything that you just said but also it's because I'm so deeply connected to him and he um, plays such a huge role in my life and my career actually my entire life and Jahan okay. is the name I have um, given to my twin flame so those oh, two together okay. represent the divine masculine yes 
Oh, beautiful. <laughs> and I that's I had also seen Shiva in a reference in the Twin Flame communities of people posting and talking about him and his beloved. So that is, you know, kind of was the tickler for me, but I really had not uh, done any study into that dynamic. So in terms of the the destroyer of fear, right? So as a person where you I, – I, I know from your bio that you said that you are not always psychic, that your psychic awareness was triggered uh, when you encountered your twin flame. How recently are you kind of to the, to the whole psychic reality? So I was always um, – empathic I've always been an empath and I think a lot of psychics who awaken later in life that's that's true they're always empathic so I always was able to read people and get feelings from people um I spiritually started awakening right about two years ago um and it started I started feeling different in September of 2016 and by February of 2017 is when my awakening really started. And it was my twin flame, his energy coming into my life um, that started awakening me. And it was very were you, jarring. <laughs> it's were you aware? At, this is like you post interaction being able to explain it but at the time did you have any kind of context for what happened and how did your psychic gifts then manifest was it uh instantaneous then uh clairaudience or clair clairvoyance in addition to your natural empathy or did it gradually kind of after that point become something that you were like, oh, I can do this. Let me explore more. Well, I had started working um, with a psychic some months prior because my guides had aligned me with that um, energetically. Mm -hmm. And with regards to my twin, he wasn't somebody that I had just met. I had known him from some years prior um, through a job that I was at. And he wasn't somebody who was significant in my life. I felt the connection, but I didn't know what that was. I had never even heard of a twin flame. And it was just about two years ago is when I started feeling his energy coming in. And there was a phone call between him and I, and we were just having random conversation. And like I said, he wasn't a significant person in my life. And during this phone call is when a lot of emotions started bubbling up. And I can tell you that I honestly felt like I was going crazy. And okay. I went the next day and I spoke to the psychic that I had been working with. And, and she told me, she said, he's your twin flame. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is. And she explained mm -hmm. it to me. Um, and so since that was the beginning, I started awakening and everything happened for me very, very quickly. It was a huge amount of growth and not a lot of time. Um, 
And when when, you... when we get our psychic abilities, they do it very slowly. It starts to come in very slowly. So it was the clear audience that came in first, the clear cognizance mm-hmm. came in, and the clear sentience came in, along with my empathy that just skyrocketed. Okay. So that was in the empathy after the trigger was that pretty much then turned all the way up after that spark yes. moment, so to speak. Yes. And, and I when can you tell say you, that you, I'm sorry. Well, I was say when you talked about when you said you thought you were had gone mad. What could you? I guess be a little more detailed because you know if if something happens that makes you doubt your mental sanity that's certainly a common thing across the board but everybody's kind of looks a little unique to you so I don't know if you have a way of explaining why you had that feeling okay yes yes I felt like I was on the edge of insanity probably for about a year and a half and a okay. lot of that had to do with the twin flame dynamic. Okay. Um, if you want me to go into detail, I can. Well, I'm just, I know, like, uh, for me, like, like uh, uh, hearing things, like if you're clairaudient and you begin to hear or, um, you know, even... Uh, when you would hear people talk about in olden days when they would say that the people, the women were prone to fainting or hysteria, when really it was just them, you know, seeing and saying that they were seeing spirit, but it was shoo-shooed away as, oh, being feeble of mind, you know. So, um, and a lot of times if somebody says, well, I'm hearing voices, they'll say, well, that could be schizophrenia. You need to go get your head checked out, you know. Um that kind of of all of a sudden a voice talking to you, talk, no matter if it's a loving and benevolent voice of your guide, that certainly could be like, oh my gosh, you know. And did you have anyone to talk to about, or just the internet in terms of then trying to figure out what the heck was going on? No, I had a psychic that I was working with, and she really helped okay. me understand. Um, but as far as the clear audience, um. The best way I can describe it is there was constant conversations going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of psychics can relate to this. The hardest part about being psychic and living in this world down here in the 3D as a psychic is learning to recognize and silence that ego and know when your guides are actually talking to you. Because mm-hmm. if it is coming mm-hmm. from your ego, you're just talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was I was constantly having these conversations in my head, and it took me a while to recognize and say to myself, okay, this is me talking to myself. And now I can recognize when it's coming from divine channel and when I'm getting divine guidance as opposed to my ego. And also as opposed to communicating with your twin telepathically, correct? Correct. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, that is a different connection. Um, I hear him. The best way I can describe it is 
I hear him not in my head, but I hear him in my heart. I hear him in my heart mm-hmm. chakra. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. And it comes through as a feeling, which then gets translated into words. Okay. That's how so it's like a... can communicate through the connection. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming it's taken you then the experience of the journey since your awakening to kind of figure out that that's what was happening in the heart space. Yes. Yes, that okay. took um, some time as well. But it, it, with him and I, the empathic connection it started immediately. I started feeling him and hearing him, and it's the same with him. He gets feelings about me. I'm not sure how well he recognizes that yet, but he does get it. Okay, that's what I was wondering, if, what uh, your twin's awareness is, and and is he also attributing or undergoing a a psychic awakening or does he recognize it as such? Uh, (laughs) This is an interesting conversation because, uh, you know, there, there is a unique dynamic to a twin flame journey that is um, directly related to this particular connection, uh, which we're, you know, we're exploring psychic connections, but it's rather a complex subject as well. So I, I do know that we will be having you back on as a panelist uh, with a couple other twin flames later on in March. So um, to anyone in the audience, again, if you have any questions, please do just press the one key to come online. <laughs> so, okay, sorry, pardon my interruption as as to your <laughs> counterpart psychic abilities. <laughs> Um, he, I, he's empathic. I do believe he is psychic. Um, and he is in the initial stages of awakening. And okay. I'm not sure exactly where he's at with that because he's not very communicative with me with regards to that. But, um, I have been given divine guidance that he is in the initial stages of awakening and he's gone through a pre-awakening stage I believe last year so they are getting him ready for that so I as far as his psychic abilities I don't know where he's um at with that but he he I believe he will open up to those as well Uh, well absolutely I mean if you have as as been the companion and the twin flame journey always mirrors back that energy. It just looks somewhat different, you know. That's one thing I like to encourage people is that everyone's psychic um, or the abilities of all that we are as energetic beings, which is what I believe we refer to as psychic senses, as if there's something external to our normal senses. I, You know, I believe that it's all part of our integrated sensory system and that we can just kind of bloom to more consciously embrace these things that we have been given with which to process and experience our reality, you know. So uh, being able to to connect with uh, guidance through hearing or being able to have seeing beyond the 3D visible of a situation, um, those things are really meant to be of assistance to us so that our lives are uh, hopefully uh, filled with less friction or problems, you know. So 
the word psychic tends to put people off. Do do you embrace that term for yourself uh, in in the sense of how you're describing this aspect? Yes. And okay. Just to piggyback off of your point, we are all born spiritual beings. Um, I believe that psychic means essentially is raising your consciousness and it is destroying that ego and raising your vibration up. The more we do that, the more we are in tune with divine guidance. Now, so we are all born spiritual ter- beings. Well, in terms of like divine guidance and being connected, I know that in the uh, Christian faith there are certain you know denominations that have a belief system of angels in the angelic realm, uh, like Catholics. They're very strongly tied to angels, whereas like I grew up Methodist, and there was not a big deal about angels. And you know every church kind of has different beliefs about what happens to you when you die, and so on and so forth. Within your Hindu spiritual practice, is there psychic as a topic? You know, um, and I'm asking because also in the Christian perspective, there's a lot of conflict about, you know, what Scripture says as to uh, connecting with guides or mediumship or, uh, you know, all those things. And so sometimes it causes a tension in a person's spiritual or faith system. Did you have uh, um, an alignment of Hindu spiritualism that already kind of supported the flowering of these gifts? Yes. And when you look at metaphysics, um, it's really grounded in Hinduism, when, starting with the idea of your chakras. That is the Sanskrit term that literally means wheel. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it, as I started learning about it, is grounded in Hinduism. But what I can tell you and our listeners is when we go up there, it's all non-denominational. Everybody up Mm -hmm. there works together. So it's just only down here in the 3D that we have denominations and religions. But up there, it's Mm -hmm. just spiritual. And I think that's part of what awakening and becoming psychic and practicing energy um, is about is learning that spirituality is a much bigger picture than religion. This is not religion. This is spirituality. Mm -hmm. So it's very different. And I try to, yes, I am grounded in the Hindu faith, but as Mm -hmm. I've opened up, I have opened up that mindset to embrace everything. Because mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. it's all the same. There are no denominations up there in the divine realm. Right. And that's, uh, you know, um, I would say I'm 47. So, you know, in my 20s, there still was very much a movement of um, uh, religion, but it was becoming non-denominational and like the era of the non-denominational megachurch kind of happened then in my 20s and 30s but then we kind of have shifted to where I have more friends who say oh I'm more spiritual than than religious you know or I, I do my own thing it's kind of a blend I think more and more people are absolutely saying that and that's the energy I think as we're in this new age of Aquarius so to speak and away from the Piscean uh, era 
that more and more people are like, you know, I, I'm good. I don't need anybody else to to enter in between for me. I'm going to work with whoever I'm working with, my creator, my God, my goddess, my whatever, and, and I'll leave the rest of the stuff for other people. I think it's very much a, a – I'm excited about that, you know, because uh, I think many of the older structures did have less personal relationship. And when you are hearing your guidance in and and receiving it through your body, through your clairsentience, you know, that is absolutely like the the purest of spirit connection, which is really what in essence we are. So, you know, I, I think that's a beautiful thing that you're able to uh, merge the two. And within your family, is that the case? Uh, are you, do, do your friends and family know that you're a psychic? Or um, <laughs> has there been any challenges in your environment, personal environment, as to your awakening? Um, yes. When I first came out, um, and told my parents I was psychic, um, there was a little pushback, and that was some ego fear energy because it was a lack of understanding. I think they are starting to come into it a little bit more. Um, I have lost friends that have fallen off in the past two years um, just energetically because the frequency was different. So mm-hmm. there are people who just aren't um, going to get this, and when you look at fear with regards to this, it is based on ignorance. It is a lack of understanding. And I think it's going to take a long time for people to start to understand what this is just as a collective. And like you stated, as more and more people are becoming moving towards being more spiritual as opposed to religion, I think that's going to open up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, to answer your question, I did definitely get pushback from people. Okay. And as you went through like your own personal, oh my gosh, what just happened to me? How did you come to the point to say, okay, now I'm going to become a professional in terms of I offer my guidance to people? And you know, to even be then at the the psychic fair, how how do you go from that? I've, I'm going mad to I'm sitting at the psychic fair. <laughs> you know exactly. So I uh, I took um, a class and I was certified in Sandy Anastasi's psychic development um, system, and that was a five month course that I took. And I learned all about ethics, which is everything when you do psychic mm-hmm. work. Um, mm-hmm. And after, after I took that class and graduated, um, I just decided I wanted to do readings part-time. And um, mm-hmm. that's how I started doing this. Because I knew that I was being called to do this work, mm-hmm. not full-time psychic, but that this was going to be part of my life and that my guides are slowly integrating and connecting the dots between lawyer and psychic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is the juicy part. That's why I said, okay, let's talk about <laughs> your personal connections because 
you are actually a practicing attorney. And I will say this is the first time that I have met a person on that side of the law. Now, we've had psychics who help the police do investigations. And let me tell you, it's something that the police don't broadcast, that they're calling these folks to see if they can help them. So here we are now. You're an attorney who's practicing law. Now, I understand that you were operating your empathy. Your, your, uh, you said you had that very early on. So I would assume that during your legal career, your empathy probably, were you using it already kind of? Uh, without realizing that it was part of your psychic spectrum? Yes. Um, And I can tell you I always, empaths always have a keen feeling and understanding of when people are lying to them. Mm -hmm. So I always Mm -hmm. knew when people were lying to me, and I could always pick up on lower energy, um, people who were just not all there or just really had bad intentions. I could pick up on that. Now all empaths can pick up on that. So I was already mm-hmm. utilizing mm-hmm. that without knowing that I was. Okay. And the type of legal work that you were doing, you were, um, and you're, this is like your professional established career. So um, because your psychic awakening was fairly recent, if I'm correct, that you'd been been in the legal world for many years yes i am a criminal defense attorney (laughs) so and um my question is if you're a criminal defense attorney does the empathy i guess it would seem like if you were a prosecutor like your ability to like say he's lying on the stand or something like that you know what i'm saying to call uh, it would just seem that you would be in the prosecutor's Avenue, but you're in the defense attitude. So before your client even tells you anything, you you would be able to know where um, sense their guilt or at least uh, energy signature would be saying something is a little not truthful. <laughs> I don't know how how does it how how did it work before you knew that you were doing? Was it like gut, I have a gut feeling about it and I'm going to change my strategy based on this feeling I have? Or was it just kind of like passively part of your processing? Well, as a criminal defense attorney, um, I always get the client's story, but that doesn't mean that that's what I'm going to present, obviously. (laughs) That's a strategy move for an attorney. Um, And I have learned as through years of practice that what I think happened doesn't really matter. It's not for me to judge. And this lesson has come, especially through to me as I have awakened and become psychic that just from an ethical standpoint as a psychic Mm -hmm. and a lawyer, um, it's not my place to judge. I don't judge my clients. Um, I'm there to protect their constitutional rights. That's my job. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I need to get the real truth of the story, because no criminal defense attorney wants their clients lying to them. It's like going to your doctor and lying to your doctor. You know, I need Mm -hmm. to know what happened so I can help you and come up with a strategy. So that's, that's kind of how I use that. 
I was thinking about as you were talking about uh, that kind of exchange where you would be talking with your clients. It seems like you would have a lot of very close exposure to fear and what fear causes people to do or how they respond or try to protect themselves when they are feeling fearful. It seems like that's a real crucible for observing and then also uh, then observing, really, because a lot of what you're doing is you're talking to people, like you're seeing either they're afraid of you and they're not telling the truth or they're afraid of uh, what the, the repercussions for what they did or they're afraid that they'll be misunderstood and then found guilty. I mean, that that seems like a really intense, energetic kind of position to be in, especially as an empath. How Did you have any adverse effects uh, to your emotional or, or physical self in your early part of being in that world? Well, what happens is when you start to open up and awaken, you become hypersensitive to energy. And my guides always, they protect us when that happens because your energy becomes vulnerable. But also when I took the classes, I learned how to maintain and protect my own energy. Mm -hmm. And um, when you are psychic, it's, you have to maintain um, your and protect your energy. And it does take maintenance. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to understand that I am psychic first and lawyer second, that Mm -hmm. this is something that needs to be maintained and honed and controlled. And Mm -hmm. I learned that lesson the hard way. Um, When my energy got thrown off, when I used to slack on protecting my energy, and I used to absorb negative energies, um, I learned the lesson the hard way that I need to maintain a little bit more than what I initially thought it was going to take. Because in the beginning, mm-hmm. I thought that, okay, I can be psychic in the evening after work and be a lawyer during the day. And my guides taught me very clearly that, no, you are psychic always. Mm-hmm. So I learned that the hard way. Did you get yes. ill or... Um... Um, No, it was basically what would happen was when I wasn't maintaining my energy, I would get thrown off when I needed to perform in a certain way in court. And Mm -hmm. my client's energy would be throwing me off or somebody else's energy would be tripping me up. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is is what's going on. I need to Mm -hmm. block and shield and maintain my energy properly. So I'm not picking up on other people's energy because that's, basically mm-hmm. what an empath is we absorb everybody's mm-hmm. energy so if we're not protecting right. that it starts to build up and we get we can just feel very anxious it's an anxiety right well that seems like you have a lot of uh just as an attorney you know you're in the court you're looking and judging like you're the jury that is receiving the information. If you're in a jury trial, you're processing what the judge's energy is, 
what your client's energy is, what the opposition's energy is, just as part of doing your lawyerly job on a regular basis, you know. We've all seen Matlock, you know what I mean, and all the other TV shows where, where of what's going on in a trial. You have to use that. So it seems like it would definitely be a challenge is like doing it regularly and then having it be over into the area where it becomes the drain or the problematic, uh, overwhelm kind of situation. It seems like it's very nuanced <laughs> to, to navigate. It can be. Um, I always call in divine guidance anytime I walk into a courtroom or do anything. Basically, I have learned how to talk to my guides, and that was a learning process for me to ask for help. I ask for help for basically everything. Because we always mm-hmm. have to ask for help because there is free will involved. Um, yeah. So I'm constantly asking for help, and they will always guide me. I open up my channel, and the clear audience will start to come in. When I need help with an argument or words or anything, um, they will help me speak and get the right words out. So mm-hmm. I, I have learned how to simultaneously do everything. It it was an mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. that I needed to learn. <laughs> How to it's, it's it. literally being in two places at once because I'm down here in the right. 3D but I'm also open up my channel and I'm also up there at the same time. And I'm having two but you conversations are three conversations at once. <laughs> But you you are finding that it's getting easier or you're getting better at it. I think you made reference to that. Definitely, I am. And when people awaken, um, they never stop. There will be a leveling right. off and then <laughs> and then you awaken again. So I have leveled right. off a bit for the time being. Um, and then there will be more ascension and awakening after a little while. So you get, they do give you breaks. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's taken me two years. It was a two year, and it's that it was that very initial where they were just literally just pulling me up, and it was very jarring, and um, it was very hard for me because it was a huge amount of growth that happened in not a lot of time. And dealing with the twin flame was a big, big part of that for me. Absolutely. <laughs> That's one of those unavoidable kind of things that um, while you're balancing all the other things of self in this uh elephant in the room is that you have an energetic counterpart <laughs> that catalyzes all of this in the first place that still is energy to be uh, experienced. I can't say dealt with or reckoned with because it's not necessarily like that, but it certainly is a whole new vein of exchange that um, I'm assuming takes quite a lot of energy as well to balance in your reality. <laughs> I it always took tell all people of my that. Energy. Well, you, I was laughing because when you were talking about, um, you know, approaching life, when I hear people say "stay woke," you know, I always giggle because it is actually an active way of being. Once you kind of step fully into, I am going to consciously experience this and and work to elevate myself. 
and take the reins, it's like you said, you may get some lows where you're not galloping away down or you know, once you've taken the reins, but you're always then at a point of having the reins firmly in hand. So it's a lot more active way of being than to be numb and oblivious to all of these ways that we could be experiencing more in our realities. So I, I giggle because people say it like it's an easy thing to, you know, uh, get with their twin flame and be stay awake and active on a journey. And it is really it's like working your core muscles. There's a lot of little fine muscles that are being used. There's a lot of little aspects of the self that if you are going to stay consciously in charge of yourself, there's a lot of little pieces that have to be maintained in that balanced position. I, I You know, I enjoy it now that uh, – I would assume like the the cycles of intense, oh, my God, are not as deep as they once were, that things are overall likely to be kind of evening out from as bumpy as they were two years ago, for sure. Do you – yes, it's like do you have a sense of anticipation – or do you have a sense of having moved through into something different after having gone through this crucible? Or do you think it was just a typical kind of experience that you will then continue to have repeating to that same degree of intensity that you had before? Well, I can tell you what I have learned in my twin flame dynamic and through awakening is that we are all here to learn our lessons. Every single one of us are down Mm -hmm. here to learn our lessons. And with regards to the twin, there was a lot of lessons I needed to learn um, about love and myself. And it was very hard. I think it's very hard for twins in the beginning, especially the feminine, because there is always that push-pull energy that's going on. And, And that was going on with him and I, and it's just now starting to settle a little bit. But the hardest lesson is understanding that this is not a 3D relationship. It defies everything we know about relationships. Twins don't date. They don't even talk. So to understand that we need to see this higher, especially for the feminine, because the feminine does everything first. We're always in the lead. We awaken first. We heal first. And then we raise up, and then we pull them up is to understand that we need to see this higher, that it's not about when am I going to see him or when am I going to talk to him. It's about looking at it higher on an energetic level. And that took me a long time to understand. And also that this is something that we have signed up to do for the rest of our lives. This is a long-term life path thing. And it's not something that, is going to happen in a month or six months or a year or two years. Um, This is something that we have signed up to work on for the rest of our lives. So it's not going to look like anything else in the 3D. And that was something that took me a long time to really, truly understand. You know, I, I have to say, I do know twins 
you know, and I always hate to use like stark black and white statements about twins and what they are and are not because I do actually know many twins more than maybe some people who are actually in their romantic partnership, in their romantic dynamic, in a union state harmoniously, although that has not always been the case, you know, for at least two to three couples that I personally know they certainly did have their share of uh, healing and separation and uncovering the wounds. But there certainly is, um, for some twins, a dynamic of romantic interaction that is able to be achieved. But I definitely understand not wanting to serve up the whole concept of Twin Flame as a love story in terms of the romantic Hollywood type of thing because it certainly is not that, <laughs> you know. But, it is uh, not that, at least in the very beginning stages. And from what I have been given divine guidance on is that there are levels for twins. Um, and I believe that is based on how advanced the soul is. And I can, right. I can speak for my twin and myself, but I do know is that him and I, we had some very heavy negative karma to break. Because when you think of twins, you have the soul connection as well as the karma. So it is a karmic connection right. as well. So him and I had some very, very heavy negative karma to balance out. And from what I have been told with regards to me and my twin is that mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that him and I will come into union in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. this is about timelines and this is about free will. So... I always keep that in mind that, the, you know, yeah, this that, is about balancing out karma. And for him and I, at least this is about moving towards peace. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, it's very interesting. And we could spend the whole hour talking about like the whole twin flame thing, because it is significant. And, you know, for people who are on this show, you know, listening, this is about uncovering our gifts and abilities and whatever that looks like. And we are in a time when people are not just awakening to say they're clairvoyance or their higher aspect, they're able to connect with other aspects of ourselves. Uh, We're finding more and more past, if you use a timeline sensitive kind of description, past live energies are coming uh, through for people where they're beginning to understand that they might have lived before in certain times or we are starting to uncover these previous connections to friends and loved ones. That's more of a common kind of conversation than it once would have been, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So if you feel like you were, um, you know, from another planet, that you're not even from Earth, then, you, you know, maybe that's a star seed. Maybe if you are hearing things and seeing beyond the veil, then, you know, the term is psychic. And We've had many guests on this show who are connecting not just with angels and uh, loved ones in the astral plane they're connect or higher realms. They're also connecting with what we would call extraterrestrials or angelic or archangels and receiving clairaudience and clair- all this guidance from the higher realms of love 
people are experiencing it in lots of different ways. So if you're thinking, you know, oh my goodness, I've got this this other energetic half of myself that I now have become aware of out in the world, many people would say, you've definitely gone mad. You know, if you say, well, a part of me resonates with having been a Pleiadian, then people could definitely say, well, you know what, I think you've gone a little mad. You know, so these are challenging things that we're just now learning by having conversations with people who have experienced wake awakenings, who are now having to manage being their whole self, right, their their true self. And you mentioned to me in our, uh, you know, preliminary conversations that it was very important to you to be able to exist in your truth despite um, any ideas as to, you know, like being an attorney or your faith or the friends around you. And, you know, even embodying that name, the destroyer of fear, to stand in that, you know, I am so glad that you're here to have this conversation uh, this evening. Um, and I think that it's essential that the people who you are encountering out there in your profession, defending people who've been accused of a crime, that is very much a light worker way of helping humanity. I'm sure the people who sit across the table from you or across the bars or the cell and this is their opportunity to talk to you, I'm certain that they see you as a life jacket or a lighthouse or some kind of uh, saving influence in their life. Um, do you feel that your call to justice is part of your mission work? It's interesting you ask that question because when my twin came into my life, everything started making sense to me as far as experiences and people I had dealt with in my whole life. Everything kind of started making sense. And what I got from divine guidance is that being a criminal defense attorney is my divine purpose to balance okay. out justice in a way because he stands on the opposite side of the justice scale. We are opposite, we are opposite professionally. And part of this divine purpose for me is because of him. So a lot of my life, if not everything, is really tied to my twin. And mm. I'm starting to, to see that. That everything is tied to him energetically and karmically. So in terms of balancing out then between the two aspects, um, would you characterize him as also being a lighthouse in his environment? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he does it in an opposite way from what I do it. It is about justice. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we are yeah. both very closely associated with justice, and that's no coincidence. That is, that is right. divine purpose for both of us. And You've mentioned also earlier, it's interesting because, you know, Justice, you also mentioned ethics, which I absolutely feel that they're cousins. They're closely related terms, but they speak to different uh, parts of a person's framework. Um, I, I, 
I, as I've shared with you and my audience may know, I came from an environment of being a librarian in a law firm environment, a law librarian, also being a librarian, law librarian for the public to be able to find out about laws and things. And, and of course, most of it was civil research that people were doing, but there certainly were people, who, um, you know, even out at the jail who were receiving legal library services to help kind of understand their rights and what the laws were that they were being charged with. And one thing that challenged me is that while it may have been legal to sentence a person to death, and for the people of the jury who might have felt that that was the justice necessary for what the person was accused of, my personal ethics did not feel good providing research that ultimately supported the those that wanted to put to death this person for their crimes. I found it very challenging to balance personally contributing my energy to things that were legal that did not match my frequency of ethics and morals. Have you encountered any tension? Yes, and this is part of the way I'm having to reconcile the divine realm and the 3D world Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. I've learned that every single one of us have our own life path. We all sat down, every single one of us sat down with karmic counsel. There's something called the Lords of Karma. Mm-hmm. That we mm-hmm. sat down with them before we came down here and incarnated down here, and we decided what karma we're going to pay off. And what I learned, to un- what I came to understand with regards to the law and seeing clients, and I'm very anti-death penalty, and against mm-hmm. mass incarceration because I feel that this country mm-hmm. has a huge mass incarceration problem. But yeah. what I came to understand from a spiritual place is that God not only has to protect us down here, he's protecting our soul's evolution. So mm-hmm. certain people have to go through certain things so that their soul can evolve in the next life and that mm-hmm. we chose our life path. So there's lots of things that mm-hmm. we chose and that God doesn't punish us. That's not punishment. Mm-hmm. That is our mm-hmm. for our soul to evolve in the next life. There are certain things that we have to go through. It's all about graduation of the soul. Because mm-hmm. it's not just about mm-hmm. this life. It's about the graduation of the soul. That's what we're all here to do. So the next life can come about better. Absolutely. I, I never had, I've, I've not heard it described as you put it. Um, I think it's very interesting to extend that ripple kind of outward to, as I'm envisioning it would be to say, if in this particular cycle of, say, 50 to 75 years, which would be, say, maybe two generations, maybe three generations, four generations of people who might have had not only like father and son incarcerated and mother, daughter incarcerated. 
there's two aspects of that. There is the fact that we as a collective people have have co-created a reality where mass incarceration exists in the first place, right? Which is a statement as to us to say, do we want to be that society? You know, and I think through what you're talking about and the, the information that has been coming to light about the levels of incarceration that we have, that is why people are saying, wait, no, this is not who we want to be. We need to figure out a different way to punish people and to deal with this. That's like the one hand of correcting what we as a society think is okay. And on the other hand, if you say that those generations, say it's two generations or three generations, if they're able to pay the debt karmically through their incarceration, if I'm understanding you correctly, that say through being going through a situation that that ended them up in jail in mass numbers, that when they return next lifetime, these mass numbers of souls that were once incarcerated should be vibrating then at a higher frequency in the same kind of mass degree that we experienced their incarceration. They would now be mass vibrating at a higher level next go round would that be yes yes and we also Mm -hmm. have to understand that once we when we cross over our souls are still doing work on the other side before Mm -hmm. we come back and incarnate again so the soul is always working even once we cross Mm -hmm. over we're still doing work on the other side we're active (laughs) yes yes well you know, they say that the baby boomer, like the World War Ones, the people who, the souls that were here during World War One and the first eras of, like, truly terrible kind of uh, global situation, that the young kids who started coming in in, like, the 80s and 90s and more recently are a lot of those souls, and they are not going to be supporting politics and governance that would send 19 million young men off to their deaths like they did in two successive wars in the first part of this century, that we are going to be experiencing a more peaceful shift because those generations learned the lessons of what wartime price was in terms of loss of life. I think that's good if we've got these old souls returning with a, a shifted energy, I think that's awesome too. You know. Yes. Very, yes. very and interesting. And I can, and I can tell you, it's especially true for twins. That twins, as they awaken, they are healing generational curses and also their entire mm-hmm. lineage. They are breaking mm-hmm. karma. And I have had ancestors of my twin come into me through mediumship. And from what I've understood from them is my twin is healing them because they have Mm -hmm. passed on in very tragic, traumatic ways, pre-Civil War time. And Mm -hmm. he is now healing them and those generational curses and that karma and healing those souls as well. And he will be doing so for his entire lineage to follow. Absolutely. So the, the the energy of the twin is the, to come to unconditional love 
as a frequency, which as we know, source is then just love energy. So to unify to a point with an energy that would seem to be external to you, that is actually not, it's actually part of you, that really is the lesson in the micro for the macro because we're all moving to a place where humanity will realize there is no separation between us as people, as plant, as air, as land. There truly is no separation. It is all one energy. And so twins are really embodying this in a real and tangible way by pushing through the obstacles of their family karma and dynamics and things that they were born into. Oftentimes, twins are in intense situations, uh, like in your case, being attorneys and, you know, challenging places, nurses and doctors, people who are having to do a lot to show that unconditional love does exist, and it definitely is an inside job. You know, you had to kind of understand and accept yourself that you had not suddenly gone mad. You know, I mean, having true love for yourself is to say, well, no, this is me. This is what is happening to me right now. I am not crazy for thinking this. I accept and love myself. That's the first thing that your twin triggering your your gifts kind of lines up for you. Is like, I'm not who I thought I was. Turns out I've got a lot more going on. Can I love all of this about myself, you know? Uh, and that, to me, is the essence of, of every day after your awakening is to say how hard, the hardest to love, you know, uh, the hardest to love is ourself. After we can figure out we love ourselves, then it becomes easier to love the rest of humanity, you know. Um, and it's certainly dealing with criminals or people who have been labeled criminals. I hate to even call them criminals. I mean, of course, there are guilty people in and amongst the people you see. But I would just say, you know, the people who encounter you, who've gone through a situation where they've fallen on the criminal side of, our societal structure that's challenging because you have to love the being while being aware of that being's activities which may not have been the highest vibration but you still have to provide them the legal representation to which they are entitled I mean, it seems like one really big, massive exercise for yourself that you're doing day to day to be an attorney as you are. Well, I can tell you um, I've never had a problem with that as Mm -hmm. being an attorney and, and dealing with my clients. But what I can tell you from a spiritual place is God is everything. God is love. Ego mm-hmm. is fear. And fear and love just cannot exist on the same plane. They just can't. So if you want to be in a divine place and a high energy and a high vibration, everything you should mm-hmm. do is from a universal place of love, which mm-hmm. includes non-judgment. And that is 
what Lord Shiva is about. The third eye, he controls the third eye chakra, which is the mm-hmm. eye that you look from with non-judgment. So okay. you don't, I don't judge my clients because everybody's on our own life path. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not for me to judge my clients. And the fact of the matter is, Joelle, is that, and I've always felt this when I was a new attorney, is I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, and neither was that judge, mm-hmm. neither was that prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people who know is the client and God, and I don't know mm-hmm. what happened. And my job is to go into court and defend their constitutional rights, and that's what mm-hmm. I do. I do not judge people. I do not judge my clients. So I always try to act from a place of non-judgment when and it comes to my work. Has that ever been? Has that ever been challenged? Um, like with that one? Un, yeah, like um, I guess I I'm thinking of various movies where they're like there's that one person who truly is like so heinous that you're like wow, woo. You know. I can honestly tell you, and I'm not speaking from any hilltop here, and I think this is true only because this is my divine purpose, is to be a criminal defense attorney. That has not happened to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think it's only because it is my divine purpose. Um, I have mm-hmm. not fallen into that. Um, okay. Because I've, I've defended, I've had all types of clients. Okay. So... So it's really like because you're in the line of service, I guess what I've always found is the people who need, I've always been brought to the right person for the right job at the right time. So I would assume that the cases that you're assigned or that you agree to represent are the ones that um, spirit needs for you to be the person so that this person gets the most just outcome. And this is what I've been told again through divine guidance. Um, Mm -hmm. I used to be, I can admit, I used to be like a lot of other attorneys. I would go into court and want to win. And that was very ego-driven. And Mm -hmm. now when I represent clients and do my work, it's not about whether I win or lose. It's let his will be done karmically or whatever that is that needs to get balanced out. That's not something I need to know about. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, when I go in, I just say, let your will be done. And sometimes I win and sometimes I lose and that's fine, but that's how it needed to turn out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I look at it now. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I try not to be in that ego driven place where I need to look like the smartest um, best mm-hmm. attorney in the courtroom and win. Um, so it's really about let, you know, let God's will be done. That's very good. I'm going to actually be working through that some more because the the emotional aspect of the feeling of justice, of of wanting justice, uh, I think probably would be coloring my experience more than the way that you're describing approaching it, you know? It's like a step more into a neutrality 
that I, I know I'm going to be working on on that. Thank you know, thank you because it's already got my space kind of whirling. Um, I I found like as a consultant, it was easy to say, okay, I came, I gave you my best opinion. Here's your report, and then I walk away. And if you implement it, cool. If you don't, cool. I already made my consultancy fee, right? That's that's in the business world that worked good for me. But like when it comes to things such as right and wrong, my personal kind of indignation, <laughs> you know, I want to wave a banner for justice is my personal tendency. And what you're speaking of is a lot more neutral and just kind of trusting that you are going to be fulfilling the role of justice in whatever happens anyway. Right, because when you think about the term justice, you need, we need to look at it as a divine term. It's not about mm-hmm. here in the physical realm. It's about may God's mm-hmm. will be done. Because justice, if we, if we get fixed on that term in the 3D realm, mm-hmm. that becomes very ego-driven. Mm-hmm. And that's where people have a hard time forgiving. When I see victims of crimes, they have a hard time forgiving and mm-hmm. finding peace because they feel like they're making some concession to the other person. But Mm -hmm. that is about self-love. Forgiveness, what people don't understand is you forgive somebody for you. We don't forgive somebody and make a concession for the other person. We forgive for ourselves so we can find peace with ourselves. And energetically, that will come to the other person on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. So it really starts with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back to you that know, inside people, job again. Funny. <laughs> yeah, when you see people who are executed, and I see interviews of you know the families, the victims, or the families, and two minutes after it's over, they feel the same way. Twenty years later, right. they feel the same way. Right. They don't feel any different. Right. And it's because they weren't able to forgive and they don't have that peace yet. And that guy, that poor guy is dead and gone. He's moved Mm -hmm. on. And -hmm. the people down here are still struggling because they haven't found peace, because they haven't been able to forgive. Mm -hmm. And the forgiveness is for themselves. That's Mm -hmm. you forgive for yourself. You don't, you're not making concession for somebody else. And that's what a lot of people right. see forgiveness as. Right. That's that's not what it is. So what you I said is actually can. correct. Yeah, Love really starts I, with us first. Because you cannot, there's, there's a saying that says you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. That is completely true. Mm-hmm. And that is something I had to learn in my own twin journey. Is I can't mm-hmm. love him the way he needs to be loved until I'm loving myself correctly. Right. Now, okay, two questions. So in have you ever had uh, a loved one of any of your clients try to communicate with you around why you've been, rep- you know, like working with them? 
I guess it's like, has there been an intersection of the two where somebody's grandma was like, oh, Sonny, he's always been in trouble, you know, let him know we love him. Or is it pretty much? Oh, yeah, I get I get communications from clients' family members all the time. And I have to mark mm-hmm. that boundary line because there's ethics involved and attorney-client privileges mm-hmm. involved. Um, but I do I do speak to families as far as the the process is concerned, especially with the younger ones when it's their first time being in the system and they don't know what's going on. The family is concerned, so I do talk to families. But um, oh no, really, I meant that like the, I mean like deceased loved ones. Like uh, you, you mentioned, you're a medium. Do you communicate with uh, ancestors who passed on? Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying mediumship. <laughs> yeah, medium. um, okay, I'm not so, buying the mediumship since. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. So and that's another thing. Um, with regards to mediumship and protecting yourself energetically, people will start to come in and talk. And when I come home, when I pull into my garage, I talk to the Archangel Michael and I say, please don't let anybody into my house. It doesn't need to be here. And that was, um, like I was talking about earlier, something that I had to learn how to do and not get lazy about because people will start to come in and talk. Like I've been trying to go to sleep at night and people are talking and I'm like, okay, who are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah. people do come in because um, – it, they will find souls will find that you are a medium and you are a conduit and they will start to come in. Okay. So it's not necessarily like the client, like say somebody who you just encountered or you're going to be encountering their grandfather shows up ahead. And it's like, thank you for working with my grandson or, or, or anything like that. No, it does happen that way too. Okay. I could be sitting with anybody and people will start to come in and talk Okay. But I always ask my guides, ethically, am I supposed to be giving this message to this person? Because, mm-hmm. again, free will is involved. I don't want to, you know, I don't right. know what the history is between these two people, so I don't want to push anything on anybody that's not supposed to be happening. So mm-hmm. I always get divine guidance on that. And, again, that is ethics of being a psychic. That was my second question that I wanted to bookmark. Is you talk about you talked about that before, and your school of psychic development that you went to definitely emphasized that. I know where I uh, received my instruction. They also talked about that. Could you describe then what is ethical use of your psychic gifts? Uh, could you talk about that framework? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, um, the biggest rule is no third-party information. And what that means is when I'm doing a psychic reading for somebody, a lot of people want to know, you know, what's my husband doing behind my back or what's my wife doing or what are my kids doing? I can't give that information. Um, I only give information with regards to children or kids if they're underage minors. With regards to spouses or friends or anybody else, I always try to bring the reading back to how does this affect your life and what can you do? Because a good psychic always empowers the client. So it's not about what somebody else is doing. It's about what you should be doing in Mm -hmm. your life. 
but I can't. I will not give that information out um, unless my guides specifically tell me, and that has not happened. So third-party mm-hmm. information is definitely off limits. Typically, when there comes a question like that from a client, I will go up and ask, okay, what do they need to know? Not what they necessarily what they want to know, but what do they need right. to know? Right. So third-party information is off limits. As far as empath is concerned, empaths have the ability to float around, so to speak. And that is off limits as well. Uh, you can't go floating into somebody's house or personal space just because you're wondering what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. We're not allowed to do that because this is a gift. And, you know, they will take this a they will take this gift away. If it is not used ethically, they will take this gift away. And there are lots of psychics who, who aren't ethical in their practice. So, I mean, I would assume it was very much like kind of like attorney-client privilege that you already understood from, from your legal career, that, you know, privacy of conversations, non-disclosure to others as to what is contained in the conversation that you have with clients, uh, it seems pretty similar. It is very similar. Yes. Basically, it's very... the line is, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is interesting because I know if you're doing work with uh, Twin Flame clients, as, as I am, the significant other's energy is going to show up any anyway. And and in most people's lives, the significant heart-centered connection, be it child or boss or, or a lover position, is going to likely show up in a reading anyway uh, because we're humans, we're connected to things. But, um, you know, the nuance of... of <laughs> why I can't t- tell you A, B, A through Z about a third party sometimes is lost, you know, on on people. But, it's, you know, we're not ever in isolation, really. So <laughs> people connections do come through. Um, it's such a slippery slope with, uh, you know, I, I understand why, like, priests and the Catholics and stuff, they're like, this is sacred when you enter this box, you know, like having an understanding of when you're allowing people into your most intimate of intimate areas. And, and I think that our spiritual self is way more intimate than our sexual self or, you know, I mean, it encompasses everything. So that's a very um, fragile, can be, and vulnerable place to be in. And as an advisor, a psychic advisor, and also an attorney representing people when their freedom is at stake, those are highly charged energy dynamics to be existing in. A A lot is at stake for people in those situations and knowing that the person that is counseling you or representing you connecting with you is of the highest integrity and ethics as they are engaging in this with you is absolutely something that is important. And I know that's what makes me come back to different readers or advisors of any type is when I know that you are in an upright, and and positive aspect fulfilling those roles that you have. 
you know, and kudos to you for being in that environment, helping people who clearly are going to, this is like a freedom or incarceration question for most of them when they're, they're engaging with you. And uh, even from spiritually, being spiritually liberated as they're working with you, if they're working just strictly through a psychic capacity, it, it sounds so unique. And, I mean, I'm very excited to connect with you because this is um, quite different from other interviews that I've had, the way that you are balancing those dynamics in a place of real very, I'm just seeing a person in the middle of a teeter-totter, you know, in this kind of zen space where both sides are balanced, <laughs> you know. And uh, I've learned some, I've been given some learning frameworks from having this conversation with you about how I can increase my frequency to to do that because it would cause me less internal conflict, a lot of it has been internal challenges with myself is where to find that balance. And so, you know, I appreciate the perspective that you've brought in. It's a lot of food for thought. I mean, is, is there anything that uh, you would sum up to a person who is in, say, a straight-laced environment such as being an attorney as to how to step more fully into their truth? I would say to people who are awakening and who have real other careers going on or lives that that does not involve being full-time psychic, to give yourself some grace and some patience to reconcile both worlds. Because eventually we will we will see everything from a spiritual place. And that is because your vibration is, is increasing and going up and your frequency is increasing and you are ascending because the truth of the matter is we are all spiritual beings and everything is a spiritual lesson. When we start to see what the lesson is with everything, that is spirituality right there. Even with the most trivial things that happen in our day, there is a lesson there. And when we can look for the lesson, we move faster. I can tell you for myself, before I started awakening, I, was, I used to love to have these pity parties for myself. I was very much a woe is me type person. And I never understood the concept of the lesson. And when I started awakening, I realized, okay, what's the lesson here? And when I started asking and looking for it, it started coming to me much quicker and I would move through things much quicker. And we are all down here to learn the lessons and just getting that concept by itself is spirituality. That is spirituality right there in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And eventually so call it earth. both worlds. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard it called earth school. I always love, I always love that kind of way of looking at it. You know, you come here to learn lessons like it's a full-time school. That's right. Because when you look at it spiritually, nothing starts down here. Nothing starts down here. When we decide even just to lose 20 pounds, we decide we want to lose weight, you don't just, we don't just wake up one day and decide that. That started up there from a spiritual place. 
and it's and your guides have been working on you subconsciously saying, okay, you need to make this change because emotional energy is the most powerful energy there is. And we have to align with that energy. So that takes time. So nothing really starts down here in the 3D. Everything starts up there. Mm-hmm. Everything starts up there as, because we are all As, as above, so below. <laughs> yes. And I just want to make one concept very clear to everybody who's listening is that our higher selves they are fearless okay we come down here to experience ego and fear to learn how to overcome that Mm -hmm. so everything that comes in our life is because we are meant to overcome it spirit never gives us what we cannot handle Mm -hmm. never so we are here to experience fear and learn how to overcome that ego because our higher mm-hmm. selves, our divine selves, is fearless. Mm-hmm. That makes absolute sense. You know, and the perspective of even being, it's like an adult to children, like school-aged children, right? Not to necessarily say that we're that exactly, but an adult will tell a child, look, when you grow up, there's not going to be anything to fear. You're going to be okay. But to a kid, you know, from the perspective that they're at, driving a car and being adult, adulting looks hard and it can make them be fearful. But as they learn and grow by the time they're 18, then they're no longer, it does not seem as intimidating. They're they're more aware and able to approach their world differently than, say, when they're seven or eight years old, when everything's so scary and unknown. And to me, that's really very much like as we're growing and elevating, we're getting older, moving through our adolescence into spiritual adulthood where we will be at that frequency of, hey, I'm a (laughs) grown-up, I've got all the tools and I know how to avail myself and I I can do this thing called life. I think that's very much how our spiritual awakening happens when we realize, wait a second, I am a creator being. And not only that, I don't need to be afraid of that which I am creating, <laughs> you know, for myself. Um, I think it's very interesting. When you are seeing your clients for your psychic professional side, what kind of person typically, uh, what does it look like if I call you, if I say, okay, I'd like an appointment? How are you doing readings or are you also doing coaching? Are you doing any teachings or workshops for people in in the psychic capacity? I I give people what they need. So to answer a question, basically it is whatever I am told to tell them is what I tell them. I am psychics really are just a vessel. Like I'm just the voice. So when I open up my channel and I go up in channel, my guys are just telling me what to say. So if if they okay. need a spiritual, more of a spiritual consultation, that's what I give them. And I just get mm-hmm. the words and I just, it's just coming out of my mouth. It's coming from my guides. 
is just using my mouth. So I basically just give them whatever they need. If they have specific questions with regards to their life or what's going on, of course I will answer those as well. Okay. But some so it's people a typical do... kind of... Well, say this is more your typical kind of a, I'm contacting you as a reader because I want to have a conversation with you either by by time limit, I guess maybe th- by by an hour kind of engagement. Yes, I do 30-minute reading. Okay. At, well, at the Blue Barn, obviously, okay. they're 20 minutes. Uh, on the yeah. phone, I do 30 minutes and an hour or 90 minutes. And especially okay. people who come into very – are in very difficult situations, whether – they're grieving for somebody who they just lost or somebody they're about to lose who's about to cross over or a difficult relationship. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I find that those people just need some spiritual guidance as far as what okay. does this all mean type. Yeah, that's, that's typically the type of reading. It's not so much about okay. a question-answer type session. It's about what does this all mm-hmm. mean spiritually. Okay. I just wanted to get a sense because I I don't like to presume how people are deploying their gifts. You know, some people do coaching, some people do reading, some people, you know, it's it's just a real grab bag. So are are people able to reach you through a website or how would they contact you for one-on-one services? Um, I am on Instagram at at Shiva Jahan. Um, Okay. Instagram. Also, I can I can give my phone number. I am available by phone okay. or text as well. It is 404-242-1194. And also, you can find me at the Blue Barn once a month. Yes. The Blue Barn, the big psychic fair, is the first weekend of every month. If you are in the Atlanta area or even the southeast, it draws people from all around. Uh, it is up in Roswell Road at the, you can put in the Blue Barn in, or Harmony Place is also a name that is used in some of the mapping services. But that runs from uh, 10 to, is it 6 on Saturday and noon to 6 on, noon to 5 on Sunday at the Big Blue Barn. Is that correct? Uh, I believe it's 12 to 6 on Sunday. Yes, yeah, 12 to 6. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was 5 or 6. So I definitely need to know because I will actually be reading this weekend at the Blue Barn as well. Uh, thank you to you for going ahead and, like, nudging me about that because it's been kind of kicking around in my energy. But uh, for those of you who are interested, it's an absolutely wonderful day. Um Shiv is going to be there. There are going to be probably, I would say, at least 15 to 20 readers that are uh, available. Readings are very affordable if you've never had a psychic reading before and are curious about what it's like. It's a great place to go to kind of dip your toes in the pool. Um, It's one reading for 15 or two for $25, and those are 20-minute readings. They also have a selection of metaphysical products and vendors there for people to browse while you're waiting for your services. And it's just a wonderful, high-vibrational place. I love to go, and as I said, I saw your information there. And 
I I can't even tell you how many of the interviews that I've done have been people who either were at the Blue Barn at one point or went to the same psychic development school that you attended here. Um, do you have any advice for a person who is seeking out, uh, maybe they're not in the Atlanta area, who wants to understand their newfound gifts? Do you have any advice about uh, schooling or furthering oneself in a more formal sense? Um, yes. I took Carl Woodall's class for psychic development. Um, he teaches mm-hmm. the Sandy Anastasi system. I would recommend him. He's very well known, um, definitely in the southeast. And also nationally, his name is Carl Woodall. He teaches the classes um, about every five or six months. The course lasts five months. It's one week in a month. So I definitely would recommend Carl Woodall. Mm-hmm. And, and did I you feel like readers... that? I'm sorry. Well, I say, did you feel like the education like really like sealed something for you um, in terms of shifting you into a new place? Yes, and the truth of the matter is my guides aligned me um, as far as the timeline was concerned to go into Carl's class. So my mm-hmm. awakening was timed as far as how his classes was running. So I was meant okay. to take his class, correct. And I think that mm-hmm. happens with a lot of people. Their guides, you know, people will get divine guidance on taking his course. And a lot of the readers mm-hmm. at the Blue Barn have taken Carl's class and graduated from Carl's Oh, class. yes. <laughs> well, his class right. has been going on for, what, uh, 15 years or 10 or 15? I mean, it's always seems like there's been he's, Carl Woodall's, and I've been in Atlanta 30-something right. years. <laughs> yeah, he's very well known, definitely in Atlanta, in the metaphysical community. His name is is the preemptive name, I believe, so. Uh, yes. <laughs> Well, the um, the conversation I want to continue is going to be definitely um, on the Twin Flame panel. I would love if you would come back and join me to talk about that. For those of you that has kind of sparked an interest, definitely stay tuned. Uh, you can sub- join me on Facebook so you can follow or Instagram and see when the next episodes are coming up. But I would definitely uh, ask that you would come back and speak more with us about this journey because I think there's a lot that people who are possibly encountering this unusual energy of connection to another person would find just as helpful as a conversation about coming into awareness of your psychic abilities this evening. <laughs> so I, I do invite you to come back for that. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, it's a very, t- again, that's very active living when you're realizing you're managing yourself along with another energetic connection. So there's quite a bit to talk about down that vein. Um, I think that for the idea that there are people out there whose gifts and first careers, if you will, have placed them very specifically where their gift and energy is needed and where those people can benefit from what that person is bringing as part of their skill set. As a person who's very much 
waving that justice flag and and wishing for a society that does not incarcerate people in mass and certainly if not in mass that not one innocent person ever you know experience incarceration it makes me feel good to know that there's a you out there you know uh because i feel like that person has a better chance at a just outcome because they had a spirit placed person who's been endowed with a very specific kind of gifts in place in their moment of need. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes, and I just I just want to point out with regards to dealing with my legal clients um, and even anybody outside the psychic realm or psychic clients, when I need help talking to somebody, I always ask because they'll give me the perfect energy and I'll use their energy and their words to make somebody feel comfortable. Because when I deal with my legal clients, they don't tell me the truth because basically they're afraid of judgment. They're Mm -hmm. afraid I'm going to judge them and think they're guilty and I'm not going to be able to do my job. And I just, I can pick up on that energy immediately. So I just bring in Mm -hmm. divine energy and I get the perfect words to make them feel comfortable. Like, okay, this is what I need from you. And just to kind of subconsciously relax them a little bit so they will feel comfortable and speak to me the way I need them to speak to me about their case. So Mm -hmm. I really found that that has made a huge difference. And I use that, like I said, when I talk to anybody, like, okay, I need some help. Can you guys come in and give me Mm -hmm. the words? And I use their energy and it'll just always work out the way it needs to work out perfectly. So I don't have to overthink it afterwards and think, oh, well, I should have said this or I should have said Mm -hmm. that because I know that I use their energy and that's how it needed to happen and turn out. That takes a great deal of trust. Yes. I also learned that on my spiritual journey, trusting (laughs) trusting my guides. Yes, that was a lesson. Because Joelle, at the mo- at at the end of the day, what I've learned is we are all spiritual beings, and we should all be living moment to moment in spirit. When mm-hmm. we live like that, we're not living by our own ego. It's like because fear and love cannot exist on the same plane. So you're either mm-hmm. driven by your ego or you're living moment to moment in spirit. So I was somebody who had to have everything planned out in my Mm -hmm. life. Um, Mm -hmm. I had my week, my entire month scheduled. And if something Mm -hmm. would come in that wasn't on the schedule, that would really throw me off. And Mm -hmm. that just was the type of person I was. And what happened was, especially Lord Shiva, he trained me um, to live moment to moment in him because he took that away from me. He took that power and control away from me. So, that I could completely be guided by him. So now I just mm-hmm. live moment to moment in him. Mm-hmm. And it's, the question is always, okay, what would you have me do next? As opposed right. to, okay, I need to get this done and I need to do this, this, mm-hmm. and this, because that is all ego driven. 
So mm-hmm. it's always the question, okay, what would you have me do next? And mm-hmm. he will tell me. Mm-hmm. So it did take that a great is, deal of faith and trust. Yeah, so that's the evolution of being the evolution of the faith exercises like when you're like, okay, well, I'm doing what you don't, you know what I mean? It took, it takes unlearning <laughs> to kind of shift out of the the previous way of being to that moment by moment, especially in a time-driven reality that's always pushing, pushing us to project future, you know. Right. And And <laughs> when I get into my ego and I get worried because I didn't get something done or I feel like I should have done this, I just remember he's going to get me where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I didn't get mm-hmm. it done today it's because the energy didn't align. It wasn't meant to happen today. It's going to happen mm-hmm. when he tells me to do it. That's right. when it's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And the energy just aligns and it just clicks. Instead of me being anxious about it and guilting myself about it, for all that time, I've just learned to trust him that he's going to get me where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to see where it's going to be because you just know you're along with wherever he's taking you. Exactly. And that is part of that whole surrender that is part of that whole surrender. I'll tell you, for me, my guides, they don't ever give me the entire game plan up front. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they mm-hmm. give it to me in steps. They'll say, okay, mm-hmm. do this next and then do this. Because, you know, I'll wake up and I'll be like, okay, what's the plan for the day? They're like, no, you don't need to know the plan for the whole day. We'll give it to you <laughs> step by step. <laughs> like, okay. Right. Go make coffee and meditate. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it is, it's literally right. step by step. Well, I am very glad that it aligned for us to make a connection because there was just a series of things that, like, moved little by little. I can see them now as I look back all the way to January, you know. Um, But that's kind of just the evidence that things are aligned as they should be when they should be. And I know that those who are listening this evening and who will be hearing this in the future to each of you, I would also say that you're hearing this in the perfect time that has been aligned for you to connect with the information that has been shared this evening. And I definitely would say Day to I'm going to be looking at Shiva differently, and I definitely still have some more research to do uh, because uh, it I, the removal of fear to be able to move more easily through this reality in partnership with spirit. It's absolutely something I can co-sign with. <laughs> I can align and co-sign on all of that you shared this evening. <laughs> well, I thank you for coming for the interview. Uh, next Tuesday is another episode of the Psychic Inside Show. My guest will be Miss Cass- uh, Cassandra Hanna, who is a palmist. 
Uh, she also has been at the Blue Barn up in Roswell, though I don't think she's been there for a couple of years. But uh, she is a graduate of Woodall's, I believe, program and, and also well-known in the Atlanta community. So I'm very excited. Uh, she's the only palm reader that I know personally. So I'm quite interested to have her on. And my interview this evening with uh, Shiva Jahan is going to be on the Vibrary YouTube channel. If you've listened there, please do comment. Comment, like, and share, and pass this on. And also on the Vibrary Facebook page, we'll have this uh, archive for you. I thank all of you who've come. Shiva, I thank you for sharing your journey this evening. Did you have any last wise words uh, from, from our conversation to carry forward for people this evening? Always try to stay in a place of universal love. That's the best advice I can give to people (laughs) is always try to do your job or in your personal relationships or anything from a place of universal love. That's harder than most. Well, everybody knows it's hard, but it's attainable. And it is absolutely, I think, where we are moving to. I thank you so much for coming on the air this evening. And to each of you who have been, oh, absolutely. I'm smiling from ear to ear. (laughs) My energy, it's like there was so much energy coursing at times when you were talking. I could just feel uh, my my heart chakra was very expansive. And so I know that there will be things that will be unpacking for me uh, to help me grow and shift my energy from tonight's conversation. I can already feel the work happening, so I'm kind of excited about that. And I do look forward to seeing you on Saturday at the Blue Barn. And for all of you who are listening, thank you so much for lending your ears this evening. I absolutely wish for you that your next week is filled with all the abundance that you can possibly hold and that those blessings spill out from your arms into the world around you. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.